Hi, this is Keith, and welcome to Klezmer Podcast 118 for December 9th, 2014. The website is klezmerpodcast.com, and you can write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. I also invite you to follow Klezmer Podcast on Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, Last.fm, and Pinterest. Also, you can check out my monthly Klezmer Podcast playlist on Spotify. This episode of the podcast continues my series from the 2014 Ashkenaz Festival from Toronto. This episode features my interview with David Bookbinder of the band Odessa Havana and several other projects that he'll be telling us about. David's also the original artistic director of the Ashkenaz Festival, so he's seen the entire history of the event from beginning until today. So he has a lot of interesting things to tell us and a lot of great music to share. So let's hear now my interview with David Bookbinder. This interview was recorded on August 31st, 2014. Hi, this is Keith with Klesmer Podcast, and uh, again, live from Ashkenaz Festival in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm very happy to have caught David Bookbinder in person. Uh, we did an episode uh, a few years ago uh, over the Skype, but uh, I'm here, David's here, and welcome to Klesmer Podcast, David. Thanks, Keith. It's good to be back again. <laughs> I'm going to do it uh, live for the first time. Yeah, fantastic to meet you, and... Uh, the band is Odessa Havana. You performed fantastic set to a packed house standing ovation last night. And uh, founding artistic director of the Ashkenaz Festival. So tell me about what's been happening with Odessa Havana and your other projects that have, that have been going on. Well, we'll start with Odessa Havana because that's what brought us to the festival this time. So it's my um, uh, Afro-Cuban Jewish uh, project. I was going to say fusion, but it isn't really fusion. It's really its own thing. We've created kind of a unique sound, I think, from uh, these elements. And, you know, as has become more and more clear to me, both by doing research, uh, by traveling since we spoke, I actually had the opportunity to travel to Andalusia, southern Spain. Uh, it's become more and more clear to me that the core of both these musics, and on the Jewish side, whether you're talking cl- even klezmer, but certainly Ladino and the uh, Sephardic stream, and the Afro-Cuban all go back to medieval Andalusia, right? That now has become, to me, uh, pretty the source. much the source. Yeah. It's the source. And you can see that it, um, the fascinating thing about being a creative artist is, especially when you're working with folk music, you can get hung up in historical accuracy. You can get hung up in authenticity. And there really isn't such a thing. There's musical accuracy. It's like, okay... From what I can gather, whether it's studying with an old guy or listening to a 78 or something like that, I can, out of context, I can, you know, exactly cop what the clarinet player was doing, slow down 50% and all that. And that's essential. But to think that that is putting you on uh, true historical accuracy, that you're an inheritor of Naftula Brandwein or something, is not accurate because you don't have his context. So how do you, for example, within your... Naftula Brandwine style klezmer clarinet playing, how do you um, incorporate the fact that for him the shining cultural magnet was Istanbul? Do we, so, wait a minute. Hey, he's an Eastern European, Ashkenazi Jew. Istanbul was New York to him. 
So how do you incorporate that? You know what I mean? And sort of when you have your categories, well, this is klezmer music over here. This, so it's all a continuum. And But having said that, really what I realized is that there's uh, an amazing interplay between um, the real musical history and almost the anthropological history and the imagination. So I, for me, I realized that the whole Andalusia thing, which I... I say takes us to Cuba, it takes us to Poland, it takes us, you know, to Romania for sure, and it definitely takes us to the Mediterranean, right? It's all exploded out of that, and really not just Cuba, all of Latin America. So, and it's all a Judeo-Arabic source. Now, is that historically true? Yes. But is it also, it's my imagination, and in that sense it doesn't mean it's not real, it means that I'm, uh, I'm imagining and creating a uh, a picture and a world for myself to inhabit as an artist. So that's kind of a long... I, that's the background of what I've really been thinking about more and more and what I've been engaged with is kind of bringing to life something that is contemporary but which draws on that incredible source which is the word used of Andalusia. So, Odessa Havana fits into that and in a way is revealing to me how much of that is true. And, and I just want to inje- interject that the, the, the uh, continuum of the audience... Right. Everything from the young people to the to the seniors right. are all on board with it. That's right. Well, but you know why? Because uh, there's a couple of reasons, but I think it is because it it feels true. You know what I mean? It's like you can go and see something where somebody is overdetermined and they thought it out too much, and they they just stick some stuff together, and it's not. It's sort of half baked, and you kind of end up you're scratching your head. You know, you might go. Oh, that's cool, and that's cool, that bit and that bit, but it doesn't hang together. I feel like Odessa Vanna was working because for people it's telling some kind of story. And that d- does connect to not just my imagination, but Eladio Duran's imagination, the other composer in the band, and sort of the whole picture. We're all imagining this world and working from it, and so it's being transmitted to people. I mean, does that fit with your experience? Definitely, because yeah. it, it, it transcends everything. It's interesting. It's something we haven't really heard before. Uh, other people have done uh, Afro plasmer yeah. stuff, you know, whatever. But uh, you know, yours is a, a different niche, certainly. And now you have the vocalist, which I recall was not on the record on the first. And that adds adds a whole new element to it. Yeah, I mean, it became very clear to me, probably first for. Um, business reasons, right? Because, you know, as an example, Odessa Vanna, you know, in, in the lee of the first recording, which got a lot of great, and we toured all over North America, um, but when I tried to really build on it, I ran into so many bookers who were like, uh, it would be a lot, yeah, it, we went to booking conferences, got standing ovations, and then we got one gig out of it because there was no vocalist. So I really did, I really made a kind of business decision, but then I said, okay, if I'm going to bring vocals in, how am I going to do it? And then it became immediately obvious, Ladino because it's all in there too and it's clearly obviously resonance in so many ways um, uh, and it seemed very natural and certainly both myself and Eladio uh, uh, who who has t- he took some traditional Ladino stuff and Cubanified it or hilario <laughs> it or something right because it's not done in a traditional Ladino way but in a way that's resonant it's like reintroducing two descendants of a common ancestor who don't know each other, but they can talk to each other because they have something in common. And, and the, the the Jewish audience can can embrace the jazz aspect, mm. if you want to call it jazz. Uh, you probably don't want to call it jazz, but, call but, it jazz. but that, and then you're 
jazz audience will cross over to the Ladino part of it right. and accept it. Yeah, and the Afro, you know, and the the you know Latin audiences love it because it's like they can understand you know three quarters of the words, and uh, um, and but it's also like even for them it's like I know this but I don't know this you know what I mean so so it it really I does I love the fact that it works across many. It crosses over. I'm Mr. Crossover, right? I like I like cross cultural. I like uh, the places where cultures intersect, and in a way that is genuine. I wouldn't use the word authentic, but genuine. So that's all very exciting, and um, and uh, and I think that the band is, you know, I would say that by the time we get to make the next recording, the, it's good. Now I love it. I think it's great. I think it'll be fully cooked. Like I really feel like the you know new compositions will take it even further. So you mentioned there's a second album now that right. <clears throat> I haven't heard yet. So uh, what I'll am I giving you one? <laughs> what am I in store to, to hear on that one? Well, you know, I mean, you heard the music last night. I mean, that yeah. you know, there was a mix of stuff from both records last night, and we, it was like a 75 minute set. So it's obviously wasn't all of it, but um, uh, you'll obviously all the Ladino stuff you heard since it wasn't on the first record is on the second record. Um, and one interesting thing there is my contribution to the, the song part of it. Hilario did these two traditional songs, like I said. I took some contemporary, you know, relatively meaning from the 50s uh, Ladino poetry and wrote new music to it. And I liked the poem so much, I, I wrote like two different versions of the song hoping that the singer would choose one but we couldn't choose which one so we put both on. So it's actually, there are two things, two songs you heard last... Did we do both? I think we did both. There are two songs. Well, no, we didn't do the second one last night. But anyway, you'll hear on the record that there are two recordings. One is called La Rosa Una and the other is La Rosa Dos. <laughs> and uh, they're totally different musically and therefore, and one of them is quite short, so I, I felt justified in putting them on. And then, uh, and then, so that's interesting. I really like taking poetry and the words and starting with that and creating something new in a Ladino kind of sound, So uh, or whatever you're working with. So we've got that, and then you have more of... Um, the instrumental work uh, there's there's a profile that might not have been on the first record like this tune Coffee Works that opens the recording um, I decided you know what let me uh, do a tune that more baldly lays out the two uh, constituent like the Jewish and the Afro-Cuban side by side and in the Jewish one I'll use some Afro-Cuban elements and in the Afro-Cuban one I'll use some Jewish elements so that's Coffee Works and the first half of it is like klezmer bebop, um, essentially, because I took a, I created a melody which I discovered after I wrote it has all twelve tones in it except for it's so chromatic that it has all twelve tones in it except for one, um, and then the second half of the tune is kind of arcane for anybody who knows Afro-Cuban bata music, which is the secular version of the religious music played on the bata drums. Uh, it's a, a drum choir. I took the the, the individual rhythms uh, from one bata piece and turned them into melodies for the uh, different in, melodic instruments to play. And then I put some Jewish elements in as well. But Can you go to sleep. You know, so I think for those who heard the first recording, won't be surprised by the instrumentals. But it's all it's new stuff and a new you know exploring new dimensions. Fascinating, as they say, terrific. Um, so, uh, talk about some of the other projects you've got, uh, Nomadica and and uh, uh, some of the other things you're doing. Okay, so Nomadica is a group that it, Nomadica is the group that wouldn't go away. 
Um, Keith, you mentioned before that you were aware of this uh, kind of um, belly dance happening that my wife, who's a Middle Eastern dancer and singer, um, also she's done, we learned some Yiddish songs over the years. she, but she's first and foremost has been a dancer and has kind of made the transition out of being a singer. Um, she did this thing called Funkabelly, which was really for the belly dance community, a place for dancers to come and not be putting on a show, but just like, you know, them and their friends and their boyfriends and girlfriends and whatever to like just party, rock out, right? And uh, to do it without being on view or display like they are when they perform. So, and, you know, she first did it with a DJ. And then there was a particular reason she wanted a kind of gypsy, live gypsy one for one of them, because it was a regular monthly, or no, bi-monthly thing. So I brought back together or reformed an earlier Roma, sort of um, jazzed up Roma thing, and then and then it, um, uh, Balkan Roma uh, project, and it worked so well that we just kept doing it. And then it started to evolve, oh, we have a benefit, I heard you, you know, people would call us, but we weren't really promoting it. And over the last six months, we decided, okay, let's do it. It's it, you know, it just the band got better and better. It's a bunch of young players who really cross over all the genres. Like the percussion, one of the two drummers is the guy from Lemon Buckets. The um, the Dumbat player from Lemon Buckets. Um, you know, like it's the front line of violin, trumpet, and uh, clarinet. Um, and the violinist also plays saxophone. Crazy, that guy can play anything. Uh, electric guitar and oud, same guy, but electric bass, who's a really funky bass player, and a kit player who's both a funk drummer and plays the the uh, the, the kind of eastern stuff. So that's Nomadica, and that's sort of evolving slowly. And you know, we're actually now starting to try and get money together for recording. Um, my jazz group we talked about. I guess that's outside of your klezmer area, but just it's a you know it is a world influenced jazz, but it's jazz, and I play jazz venues and festivals, and that's kind of evolving in a new way. But a thing I will tell you about that is part of the Andalusia Imaginarium, we could call it, is uh, uh, that this is now building on something I've done before. In 2011, I was commissioned by Kerner Hall which is an incredible new, one of the great concert halls now, mid-sized concert halls in North America. It's a thousand seats, has one of the best acoustics anywhere, and it's just an incredible place to play. And I was commissioned by them to create something for their opening in 2011-12 season. And, you know, I, I put a few possibilities for it, and the, our director chose this one, Andalusia to Toronto, where I would explore uh, this whole question in greater depth. That one had Odessa Havana at its core. So it was an Odessa Havana expanded project, and it worked very well. It was really amazing, and actually new material that's on the recording came out of that, the Odessa Havana recording. So then, now this amazing thing is happening in Toronto where um, the Aga Khan Foundation, which is the kind of development arm of the Aga Khan, uh, who's the world, um, the head, the kind of spiritual and political leader of the Ismaili Muslims, we're a fascinating group of Muslims. I'm sure some of them wouldn't appreciate this, but I think of them as the New York Jews of the Muslim world, just because they're so they're not connected to any country in particular. Um, they are a minority. There's only 15 million of them, almost the same number as Jews in the world, and um, and uh, they're very uh, adept and also very uh, successful in business and the arts and politics, and uh, you know they're just really very cultured and very interesting people and uh, and the development network does these amazing development projects all over the world and as an arm of that they decided they wanted to create an Aga Khan museum because he and maybe it's the, his network 
uh, are in possession of the greatest private collection of Islamic art in the world. So they, but they wasn't, they weren't interested in just doing a place to house the collection. They wanted something that was going to be developmental and you know uh, generative of new work. They already are planning. They already have coming, you know, major new uh, contemporary work as well. But because their vision for it is not just visual art, they put in a 400-seat state-of-the-art concert hall, actually partly designed by the same people who did Kerner Hall, I just mentioned. And the artistic director of this, uh, having seen the show at Kerner Hall, has now commissioned me to create a related new project, but related, and this one's called Roots of Andalusia, R-O-U-T-E, but obviously it's a bit of a pun. So now we have Roots of Andalusia. And this is it's similar, except this time Odessa Van is not in the mix, per se, because I wanted it to be freer to be its own thing and to evolve. And the cool thing about it, it's going to be uh, Arab Andalusian music, um, Ladino music, and uh, original composition. Some by me, one by Hilario. So even though he's not performing in it, he's a part of it in this way. And that's going to be on September 20th. So we are opening this world, you know, kind of first for the Aga Khan Foundation. Uh, on September 20th. So I got a lot of freaking work to do between now and then. <laughs> uh, and that's a very exciting thing because I think it has it's about, really, th- about three weeks by my calculation. It's three weeks, baby, from last <laughs> night. And I'm on it. Like, I'm not just starting now, obviously. Yeah. I've, you know, yeah. I've got all the material. And um, the singers will be my wife, who's a, a expert in uh, Mo Shahat, which is Arab Andalusi song. She went to Syria and studied it. Um, and... Uh, and then we're bringing this incredible singer uh, from Israel named Mora Karbasi. And she's her heritage is Moroccan and Iraqi Jewish. Uh, and she's deep into the Ladino tradition. She's an incredible singer. I highly recommend um, everyone check her out. I'd say the same about my wife, but she doesn't have any recordings yet. But Mora's got lots of stuff online and recorded. Um, and we're very fortunate to be able to bring her. Uh, along with a 10-piece ensemble. So I'm really looking forward to this one, and I hope to be able to tour it as well. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. I, you I want to come back to, in three weeks? Uh, <laughs> I, I would like to come back in three weeks. That that would be fun to see. So... Uh, the thing we were going to talk about, right? Remember? Yes. Yes, since it's the Klezmer podcast... I used to be called in Canada the king of klezmer, but I have not been doing many public klezmer gigs in quite a long time, you know, more with the offshoots. Uh, But uh, there is a new Jewish music organization in Toronto called Jewish Music Week, which um, run by a woman named Eliza Shapiro. And I think this May they had their third one, I'm pretty sure. Um, so it's new. It's quite new. And they, they work a lot like, sort of through the synagogues or they'll get synagogues to commission a, something or host a concert. But they also use, you know, more like downtown club venues as well. And two years ago, I met them because they kind of, uh, on the last minute, uh, became part of this festival at one of the best local clubs called Lula Lounge, which I play at a lot. And Odessa Vanna was playing there. And then they said, hey, can we do a double bill with uh, uh, Jaffa Road, a Viva Turnix group. So let's do a double bill and we'll promote it together. I said, great, you know, let's do a double bill with them. And so I met them and then they commissioned me this for this past year, uh, this past May, to create a... Um, uh, I said, hey, you know what? This hasn't happened in Toronto. Let's do a Klezmer super group. So let's get people from all the different groups who are playing Klezmer and do a big thing and play traditional stuff and different repertoire that always gets played. So we did a, a thing called Rhythm and Jews. Um, it's a Klezmatics album of that name, but 
you know, it's a pretty obvious thing to, you know, to use, and nobody used it in Toronto, so we called it Rhythm and Jews, and they were like, what were we, like a nine-piece? Big fat sound, the tuba player and trombone player from Lemon Buckets, uh, and a clarinet player, actually, so three of them... Uh, Alex Geish, the Serbian violinist who plays in Beyond the Pale. Eric also Stein from Ashkenaz. Eric Stein from Ashkenaz. Eric also Stein. Um, so yeah, big mix of people. And uh, mostly it was instrumental. And we had, you know, guest vocals from soprano singers. Teresa Tova, Dave Wall, uh, Lenka Lift. Was Lenka on it? Yeah, Lenka. And um, Fern Linden. And uh, it was great. I was like, oh man, I want to do this. <laughs> it was really good to come back to the class where it was really good to do some repertoire that I had known or was aware of but that I hadn't heard people doing in the kind of bigger Klezmer world. So is the recording of that? There is. I still have to get my hands on it. But um, uh, hopefully it hasn't been deleted. It's, you know, with all my busyness, I haven't cracked it down yet, but I think it's out there. So as soon as I get my hands on it, actually, if you nudge me, I'll send it to you. (laughs) Um, It was really fun. I hope, you know, hopefully it came out well. I mean, the recording was just a reference recording, so it wasn't a studio thing, but, but, you know, I'll keep it percolating and find a, a place to do it again. Um, you know, I, uh, it's very interesting. That, that was a one-time gig. It was a one-time gig. And there ain't no way that I have time to, <laughs> you know, like say, okay, now that's going to be a band too. I know, but... And go but, tour with that. No, no, but all I can say is that uh, that uh, I will look for opportunities to do it. And just to do Klezmer, um, you know, do some... And, and in fact, do traditional Klezmer because after... Even in the in the sort of final years of the Flying Bulgar Klezmer Band, which I can't say is dead, we're just not doing anything right now. I, I didn't kill it or say it was <laughs> over, but we're just not doing anything. Um, but it, you know, for many years with the Bulgars, we weren't really playing traditional repertoire. So in terms of performing, that was the first time in a long time that I performed uh, live with a band, a full size band. So it was killing. It was really a really great experience. I'm sorry, I missed that one too. He's got. Just have to move. Yeah, just have to move here and uh, catch catch all the great stuff that's going on. So, if people want to find uh, more about you and Odessa Havana, Nomadica, whatever else you got going on, uh, buy the CDs or download yeah. the albums. Uh, where can they go? Okay, so I'll give this to you now, and uh, know that within several months. Uh, is really when you're going to want to hit it. If you want to find, check out Odessa Havana right now and in the future, go to odessahavana.com. Pretty simple. If you, uh, you know, soon want to check out the whole range of what I'm doing, the Jewish stuff, the cross-cultural stuff, go to davidbookbinder.ca and last name is B-U-C-H-B-I-N-D-E-R. Uh, I have a website there now. But it's pretty out of date, and so I'm just starting a complete um, renovation, which will bring all the different things I do under one heading. Keep it simple for people. So even Odessa Havana will be housed under there, although that URL will still take you to uh, the website. So odessahavana.com or davidbookbinder.ca. Oh, and of course it's Facebook. David Bookbinders, Odessa Havana, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. All the usual yeah. places. All the usual things that I wish I could be free of, but I accept. <laughs> I accept it as life in the 21st century. It's the way things are done now. Yeah. Very good. Anything else? No, I think that's it. I, I just want to uh, appreciate you, Keith, for doing this. Uh, how many do you say you've done? 113? 100, 116-ish, uh, something like that. Yeah, so it's a great thing. And it's, a uh, you know, because in 
you know, Klezmer World is not a giant world, so to have... Uh, I'm finding it is a giant world. Well, but I mean giant like the pop world, right? right it's still a right. niche thing, no yeah. matter what, however you swing it. Uh, so to have somebody who's dedicated, and obviously not making the big bucks doing it, um, to, to connecting with the artists and sharing the stuff, I think it's great. So I'm, that's what I would end on. Uh, David, thanks so much for uh, sitting down with me for a few minutes and taking the time uh, from all the other stuff you're doing here at the festival. And it's really great to meet you and uh, hope I uh, get to see you performing live again very soon. All right, Keith, thanks. We're, I am, you know, we're going after, like, North American touring, so I hope before too long we'll be uh, in L.A.
Salut tout le monde, ici Briga et vous écoutez klezmerpodcast.com. All right, I'm back. That was my interview with David Bookbinder of the band Odessa Havana. And we heard the track Coffee Works from his album Walk to the Sea. I'd very much like to thank David for appearing on the podcast and for providing the track for us to listen to. Again, the website is klezmerpodcast.com. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you have a band that would like to appear or have your music played on the podcast, or if you have a recent or soon-to-be-released album you'd like me to review, please write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. The music heard on Klezmer Podcast is for promotional purposes only and is used with permission. So that's about it for Klezmer Podcast 118. Thanks for listening. Stay subscribed. Tell your friends. And until next time, bye for now. <laughs>